Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. Oh, it was, it really was a phenomenal week, a fin- so much fun uh, and memories made um, and this shirt has been washed, I, I, I don't know how many times, like every single day, <laughs> it was like, um, and you know, but there w- really was like at some tie-ins between what we were teaching at camp all week and this series that we've been in called Sounds Familiar. Um, sounds familiar is this idea, like there's these phrases that um, we, some of us know, we've heard before, and they're rooted in this sermon, this little message that Jesus shared so long ago called the Sermon on the Mount. And some of the phrases and the things that he teaches in there, like if we really pause and uh, listen to what he says, we might wonder, did he really mean that? Like, I'm not sure. Like, really? Like, do I have to do that? Like, um, or what did he, what did he mean by that? Because there's some stuff I'm like, I don't understand this. Um, And we're trying to like unpack that uh, week by week. And today we thought we'd uh, have a little fun with it um, and mix in a little bit of kids ministry um, into that. And so um, uh, the first thing I want to do is ask you this question um, is where do you belong? If you're to think of the places and the people that you connect with and you belong, like where, where is that? What comes to mind? Like maybe it's a soccer team. Maybe it's some coworkers. Um, maybe it's like when you start talking about board games. Um, you know, it's like those are the people you're like, I belong there. Like that's my people. Um, where do you belong? Where's that place that you fit in and you feel comfortable because you're known and you're connected? Um, and there is a, a common theme, I think, through the way that Jesus taught and what he did um, that centers around this idea of where do I belong and how do I belong? Um, and so in order to tell this story um, and kind of teach and show how Jesus went, um, I thought I'd ask Marissa to come out here um, and, and help me tell this story. Um, and if you didn't know this, my wife, Marissa, um, can actually sing pretty well. Um, uh, I cannot. Um, if you saw, saw me, like, I was kind of like a little offbeat. Like, I, I have to think about it in order to keep beat. And like, you don't want me singing, unless if it's bazooka bubblegum. Um, and, and just ask your kids about that. Like, I can shout out a campfire song um, and then make my horse, uh, my voice go hoarse. Um, but she can actually sing kind of well. So um, can you help me? Props. You have props? I brought props. Oh, sweet. We have mm-hmm. props. Can't yep. have kids ministry like without props, I think. Um, so we, we thought we'd kind of mix a little bit of this together um, and tell this story. Um, because there, there's, a, there's a couple different stories of, of Jesus and how he interacted with people. Because Jesus really did care about everyone. Everybody that he came in contact with and how he treated people was unique. And so we pick up this story where Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee. This is early in Jesus's ministry. Um, he's starting to get known for doing some unique things. Um, and he is gathering a crowd, like a bunch of people come to come listen to Jesus. And he asks Simon, this one of these fishermen, say, hey, can I borrow your boat? Um, because in those days, they didn't have a, like a mic and a speaker to like make your voice project, because um, otherwise you can't hear them. But often what they would do is try to find like a, maybe a boat and come out on the water so that they could like project their voice out to so many people. And so he does this and he teaches. Um, but then um, there is this interaction after the crowds go where Jesus stays on the boat and he hangs out with, with Simon Peter. Um, and he gets to know, know him. And you know, fishermen are not like extraordinary people. 
they're not like well-known or popular. Like they're, they're just the guys going out there getting fish to help feed their families and others in the community. They're really just ordinary people. But Jesus decides to spend special time with Simon Peter and some of his brothers and the, and the people there on the, on the fishing boat. And there's this little thing that we read um, that I think is pretty interesting. Um, in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, um, Jesus says to Peter, hey, go out into the deep water. Let your nets down so you can catch some fish, because that's what they would normally do. But this is what Peter responds with. Wait, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, like a fisherman, like uh, their livelihood is all around whether they can catch fish or not. Uh, this is, and this is not like a wealthy area. So I have the feeling like Peter at this point is probably pretty like downcast. Like they've worked really, really hard and have nothing to show for it. Like they've worked a lot. And it's like, they're not, they don't have like winches and motors to like bring in the nets. You know, I think I actually have something that yeah. kind of might show what Peter might have experienced okay. that day. Right. Um, so um, I have something that we for, can use. Oh. So I'm gonna be okay. Peter. And I think I have something, a, a little song. A little song. Yeah, right, that might be what Peter experienced because I think that he realized that there was no friend like Jesus. Oh. So um, tech team, we're going to do uh, track number five. And here we go. Well, there I was on the Sea of Galilee, bringing up from a boring night. We set our nets out hoping for some fish, but we never even caught a bite. As I cleaned the gunk out of my net, I saw a man who I'd seen before. It was Jesus, the one who did miracles, why he even healed my mom-in-law. And he said, oh, Simon Peter, sir, let down those nets, you'll see. I think it might be worth your while, you ain't never had a friend like me. Now listen, normally I'd rather take a swim But this was Jesus asking me I ain't never had a friend like him I think maybe Maybe, he, something, like maybe something like that I don't know, I don't know, you know <laughs> Something a little bit like that Maybe <laughs> So that's uh, Simon Peter, right? Like, and then, um, you know, I think they realize that this is, this is somebody special like, Jesus is not just some ordinary teacher. And when he says to do something, I'm going to maybe do it. And they do. They, they, they let down their fishing nets uh, over the boat, and, like, they follow what Jesus said. And guess what? They didn't catch any fish. No. No, no, no. no. That's, they, not they, that's not true. That's not true. They caught so much fish. They caught so much fish that they had to ask their other buddies on other boats to come over and help them with all the fish. And when they were loading up onto multiple boats with all the fish, those boats started to sink because they had so much fish. I mean, like, when you follow Jesus' commands and you, you, you say, like, okay, the way of Jesus, I'm going to do that and listen to you, like, usually what ends up happening is Jesus blesses you in abundance and even more. And I think Peter st started to realize this. This Jesus guy, he's very special. And, and, and what they ended up doing is Jesus said, hey, come follow me. They dropped everything. And their livelihood, like everything that was right there, they dropped it and said, all right, I'm going to follow. And they left it and they went with Jesus to learn and listen to more about what this guy was teaching. 
And, but it wasn't just ordinary fishermen and, and people that are in the community that Jesus hung out with and who he called to follow him. He also did it to, well, tax collectors. He would hang out with tax collectors, and one of those was Levi. Now, we don't know exactly some like the details of Levi, but I do know tax collectors in those days were very unpopular. No one liked them. No one liked them they at were, all. They were mean. They were bad guys. They were mean guys. Like, they were given power and authority and Roman soldiers to go get money for the government. Um, and even oftentimes, they would steal some of the money for themselves. Hmm. And we don't know exactly if that's what Levi did, but we do know that overall, like, people looked at tax collectors as sinners, as people you don't hang out with. They're not the guys that you go out to Taco Bell with and hang out um, and have food with. You know what? Yeah? I think... I have a song for Levi that for the tax might, collector. Yeah, that might be About like what something was like what Jesus was saying to him okay. and what he kind of thought. Um, because I feel like it would have been a very memorable experience. Yeah, I think he might. And remember that. that he would re- really remember that. So I think. Okay, let's do track number ten, tech team, and hit it. <laughs> follow me. That's what Jesus said that day. Come follow me. What a friendly thing to say. He knew I was a tax collector taking people's cash. He knew that spending time with me could cause a big backlash. Come follow me. He said into my booth, come follow me. I know he speaks the truth. Know that I'll go with him anywhere he wants to be. I'll gladly follow his request. Come follow me. I don't know. I Maybe mean, something like that. I yeah. think he would remember it. So <laughs> I think yeah. it, I think it was very memorable. It's so good. <laughs> well, like every interaction that Jesus had with people, I think was memorable. It was something that they like. It stuck with them and what he said, and not just what he said, but how he interacted how he loved and cared for people to say, hey, I want, I want you to belong. I want you to be a part of, of my group. And Levi, like t- a tax collector, the, the ordinary fishermen and other people, they did that. They did just that. But then there was this other group, this other group of people that didn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. They're even recorded like shouting out at Jesus saying, hey, why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? Like, why are you doing that? Regularly, like Jesus would be mocked for hanging out with ordinary sinners. Um, you know what? Yeah. I have another song. You have another song. Because, okay. because the Pharisees, I think they saw what Jesus was doing. Yeah. And they were like, this is unknown. And I'm not sure that I want to go into the unknown. And so I think that the Pharisees may have been thinking something like this. Um, okay, track 17. Here we go. disciples Jesus chose. They're not beloved. They don't wear nice clothes. There's a thousand reasons he should go about his day, choosing righteous people and telling them to go away. Whoa. 
they heard his voice like it was ringing in their ear they chose to follow they weren't feeling any fear and everyone they'd ever known had cast them to the side no one got to know them they never even tried they can have their adventure to us it sounds quite grim we could never take the risk and choose to follow him into the unknown into the unknown into the unknown i don't know maybe, maybe something, something like, like that. that yeah something like that <laughs> <laughs> jesus saw people differently. He treated people differently. Pharisees and others that thought they had their lives together and were righteous looked at Jesus and was like, how dare you? Like, why do you do that? But Jesus, he was quoted in saying this, you know, that healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have not come to get those who think they are right with God to follow me. I have come to get sinners to turn away from their sins. Jesus could have picked the smartest, the brightest, the most popular people, but he didn't. He chose regular, ordinary people, those that maybe had some part of their lives was messed up and not living up to maybe even what they wanted. But Jesus went to them and said, hey, I know you, I love you. Like he went up to Zacchaeus, like up in that tree, and he was like, hey Zacchaeus, I'm gonna hang out with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I wanna have a meal with you. Let's, let's have food, let's hang out, let's get to know each other. He would regularly do this to so many different people, fishermen, tax collectors, just to say, hey, you're known, and I want you to belong. You've got a place to, to be connected and to be loved and cared for, because you know that this truth is that you're forgiven. And Jesus communicated with his words and with his life that he was going to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, that we would be able to be forgiven because of an act that Jesus gave his life on a cross. And that for those of us that respond to that call to say, yes, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you, we get to start to experience some of that connection. And what ends up happening is that we can change. We end up changing, not because we start to do this list of things that we're supposed to do, but because it starts with love and care and belonging that Jesus says, you're my child. I want you to be a part of my family. And out of that then, change happens. And we end up making a difference in this world. Simon Peter did that, Levi did that, and so many others from that day made a difference in this world because of responding to that call of Jesus. But there is a flow, there is a pattern that I see where it comes first from being like a sense of knowing God and who he is and who we are, that we are belong and we, we have this love and we experience that, that then translates into the change in our actions and what we end up doing. I, I bet that when, when Jesus called these disciples, they were all excited. They were like, okay, this guy is awesome. I'm going to follow him. But then I bet they kind of started to think, um, but what does that mean? <laughs> What do I do? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like? And it's really cool because after Jesus called the disciples, shortly after that, we, see, we get to this passage, which is what Nate was talking about before, this big sermon that Jesus taught, this thing he taught to the people called the Sermon on the Mount. 
where he gave people like, this is what it means if you're going to follow me. Here's a bunch of things that might show people that you follow me. And so he taught them these things. And, and I want to share a part of it with you because I think it helps us to understand that Jesus kind of wanted to change everything around. So in Matthew 5, uh, we're going to look at verse 38. And here's what it says. You have heard that it was said, an eye must be put out for an eye. A tooth must be knocked out for a tooth. But here's what I tell you. Do not fight against an evil person. Suppose someone slaps you on your right cheek. Turn your other cheek to them also. Okay, well, maybe we've heard some of those things before. Because they're kind of become sort of famous things. An eye for an eye. Have you maybe heard someone say that before? It's kind of like this idea of like, you did that to me, I'm going to get it back to you. The idea of revenge. Or maybe you've heard, turn the other cheek. That's a saying that's become kind of know what that is? Well, the people that Jesus were talking to, they would have known what it was too, because God had actually given the people all these different laws to help them live before Jesus had come. But you know what? The Pharisees, they kind of liked to twist the things that God had said to make it so that they were more powerful and they could have power over the other people. So they kind of twisted some of those things. So Jesus is saying, here's what you might have heard. You might have heard that it should be an eye for an eye, but I'm going to tell you something different. Because that was a rule that, that kind of they had had. But the Pharisees thought it was about getting revenge. Have you ever felt like getting revenge before? Kids, have you ever felt like getting revenge? Right? Someone does something mean to you and you're like, I want to get back at them. But Jesus is saying, that may be how you feel. But if you're going to follow me, I want you to do something different. He's saying there was this thing that was told to people of an eye for an eye, and that was a rule that God had given, but the Pharisees twisted it and thought it meant about getting revenge, but that wasn't ever what it was supposed to be about. It was actually there to help people from being oppressed too much by people who were vulnerable getting punished more than they should have. But the Pharisees had twisted it. But Jesus was saying, I don't even want you to do that. I want you to think about putting other people before yourself. He wasn't saying that you turn, like you don't see if there's something bad going on that you don't ever do anything about it. That's not what he was saying. And he wasn't saying to just let people walk all over you and like just like not ever stand up for yourself. That's not what he was saying. But what he was saying is that sometimes we need to be humble, which means thinking about other people more than ourselves. Sometimes we need to think about other people and not always just that I need to, to get revenge and to have the wisdom sometimes to know when we actually should walk away from a fight. And Jesus was trying to turn things around and saying, if you're going to follow me, I'm going to switch it up. We're going to do things differently. And then he went on and he said this. He said, suppose someone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with them. Give to the one who asks you for something. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow something from you. This was a phrase that was regularly known because there actually was a law, a rule in the Roman government that they had instilled to say, hey, if a Roman soldier was to come through town, they could command anybody, a young boy or girl or a man or woman, anybody to say, hey, you got to take my stuff and carry that one mile. And if you don't, you then would be punished. And so it was something that they instilled to basically make sure everybody knew who was in charge, the Roman government. 
And regularly they would do that. So a soldier would be coming through, they would command a boy or somebody to say, hey, you gotta pick up my, my sack of armor or whatever it is and carry that one mile, which was incredibly inconvenient for some, like somebody that was, they had to give work from morning to, to night to like make it do and, and care for their family. For them to have to walk a whole mile to then walk a whole, on the way back. They didn't have Uber that they can then like call and say, all right, I gotta get back home or whatever it is. <laughs> like they just had to do that and walk on back. And Jesus says, hey, when you're asked that, then offer to go a second mile. What? 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 Regularly, Jesus does that. He takes something ordinary and does something extra with it. And I, I don't think Jesus was saying this as some, like, from the government rule and law. I think he actually was trying to dig into the personal interaction that would happen when a soldier was to ask somebody, hey, carry my stuff for a mile. What would then happen? Because picture this, kids, picture this. A Roman soldier comes up to you and says, hey, take my stuff. You got to carry it in a mile. So you go, you walk, you're carrying it. It's really, really heavy. And finally, you drop it. Normally, a Jewish little boy or girl would probably go, all right, bye, and like run because they didn't want like, to, to do that again and probably go back home. But what if in that moment, that little Jewish boy or girl was to say, hey, I'll go with you another mile. What would that Roman soldier think? Or feel. Wait, 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 you're gonna go more? So now you're not gonna go like two miles because you gotta go there and back. You gotta go four miles. Two there and then two back. That's way extra. That's not normal. But you're gonna do it with like seemingly like a good attitude. Like I'm the impressor. I'm the one, like I'm the bad guy. Like, but you're actually like willing to go, I'm gonna go an extra mile for you. Because I think that soldier also, he's got commands, he's got work that he's got to do, and he's probably just following orders as well, and he has to get his stuff over to where the next thing is. And so he's going to like use this law to, to help himself. Okay, I'm going get to get that guy to go to a mile with me. But then have somebody else go out of their way in an oppressed society to say, I want to still help you even more. I think that caused them to maybe think a little different, like, what? There's something different about you. Why would you do that? And that little boy say, well, this teacher once told me that this is the way that God loves me, and I want to then love you this way too. There's another little passage, another little saying, um, where Jesus then says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But here is what I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you. Then you will be children of your father who is in heaven. He causes his sun to shine on evil people and good people. He sends his rain on those who do right and those who don't. So there was another saying that the people would have known, to love your neighbor. But the Pharisees again, they had twisted it again to say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It was never supposed to have that last part on there. God wanted us to love our neighbor but not to hate our enemy. And Jesus is saying here, he's changing, he's saying, don't just love your enemy, don't just love your neighbor, but also love your enemy. Even the people that are mean to you, to love them because God loves them. And to not only love them, but to pray for them. Because I don't know about you, but for me, when I pray for someone, it kind of helps me to see them differently. When I can say, you know, I want to pray for this person, even though something they've done to me kind of makes them my enemy, 
It changes the way that I, that I can feel about them. And it doesn't mean that you should just let people always be mean to you, but it's having this attitude of understanding that who knows what's going on in their life. We don't know exactly. And, that, you know, there could be a reason why they're being mean to us. And we don't have to let them be mean to us. But it's having an attitude like Jesus would that I love this person. And remembering that Jesus loves this person. And so how then can I treat them even though they're nasty and mean to me? Is there a way that I can show them love? Jesus was turning everything upside down again. And that's what he did. He was saying, if you're going to follow me, he was telling his disciples that your life is going to kind of be upside down from what everybody else around might be seeing or what might be used to. He goes on to say this. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even the tax collectors do that. If you greet only your own people, what more are you doing than others? Even people who are ungodly do that. So be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is Perfect. Perfect. Perfect? Wait, wait. Perfect? No, no, you read that wrong, right? No. So be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Sometimes when I read Jesus' words and I really think about them, they don't make sense. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, perfect. No, 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 Jesus, you can't really mean like I could be perfect because I know myself. I'm not. There's things in me that I know are not right. I might think myself to be a good person, and I strive to be that way, but perfect? Really, Jesus? No. Well, but, but he did say that. Like, it's written and recorded there. And there's other phrases where he says things similar, where if I really pause and think about that, what are you meaning, Jesus? And I've come to understand it this way. Jesus looks at us, imperfect people, and is say, saying to us, I know you, I care for you, and you can belong. Because there is this place for imperfect people, and it's perfect. Not because you are perfect, but he is. And he's working inside of me and you that say yes to him to bring about that goodness inside of us. That when we say yes to Jesus and start to accept the forgiveness that he has for us, that he's given, that he's done for us, that we couldn't do for ourselves, that starts to change us from the inside out. But it's not out of this, do this, then you're accepted. Do this list of things, pray this way, love and care in this way, and then you get love, and then you get forgiveness, then you get, no, no. It's already there for you, kids, parents alike. Jesus loves us. He cares for us. He knows us. And I think he's holding both things at the same time. This idea that he knows exactly who we are, that we are sinners and broken, and we can't live up to that ideal, as well as this calling us to that ideal, calling us to the way of Jesus that is perfect, that is better. Because what would this world look like if everybody actually lived that way? If everybody actually did love their neighbor and pray for the, their enemies and care for those that did them wrong, that went an extra mile, that called out to those tax collectors and sinners and other people that have done us wrong and said, hey, I wanna hang out with you. You're different from me. 
but I'm going to care for you and, and accept you and, 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 and make you feel welcomed and belong. What, what if this world actually lived that way? And I think Jesus didn't back out of or back down from that ideal. He actually made it higher as a contrast from who we are and where we are to what could be and will be. And I can have confidence in God because he is good. He is at work. He is doing some amazing things. I have to align myself, my way of living with him, not out of getting his love, but out of receiving his love and out of response for that love, recognizing the more I do, the more I do live this way of Jesus, following him and saying yes to him, it just works. And I don't want to be ordinary. I don't want to be normal like everyone else because it is easy to just hang out with people that are kind to me. It is easy just to care for those that care for me. It's hard and difficult, but it's worth it. And I recognize I've received that. So I can be a part of making that difference in the life of somebody else. For those guys and women that they don't deserve it. But I'm not loving them and caring for them because they deserve it. I'm loving them and caring for them because God loved me first. Our memory verse for Extreme Week has been that all week long. What is my command? That I love you. That I mixed it up. They know it. <laughs> they know it. Uh, they know it. What is it? Do you guys know it? My command my is command is this. this. Love, love each other, other as, as I have loved you. That's right. That's they got right. the reference too back there. Way to go, guys. Way to go. My encouragement, challenge, my invitation is for you to accept God's love and to work out that faith inside of you to follow Jesus more and more every day. I hope that every kid receives that truth and that it changes them. But I hope that you as adults receive it as well. We all need it. We all need that idea that someone loves us for who we are because it's that love and forgiveness that can truly change. I cannot work hard enough, be good enough on my own. It's only when I connect myself to something greater, someone greater that knows me. Let's pray. God, you are good, and God, you are love. Thank you for loving me for who I am. God, I say yes to you, to your way of living. And God, I pray for those here in this room that they would as well, that they would come to know you truly who you are not what others have said of you, but when that we would read your words for what they really are, and may we wrestle with those truths to discover you, the God behind those words that loves us and cares for us and knows us and invites us to belong a part of your way. May we receive your forgiveness that you give to us May you change us from the inside out so that we can make a difference in this world now, today. 
God, we give this to you. We pray these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.